Hi, my name is Minister Mark and I'd like to share my testimony with you. I started partying in high school and became a drug addict, lost 19 years of my life. I was at the point of suicide, but finally God intervened and gave me another chance and a new life. It started out as just fun, smoking marijuana, drinking beer and alcohol. Pretty soon I graduated to other drugs, cocaine and methamphetamine. I was smoking free base and smoking the meth and then became a mainline user, a junkie, shooting up. It came to the point at the end that I hated myself. I was so ashamed of my behavior and the fact that I couldn't control myself. I wanted to quit doing drugs, but I just couldn't stop. I was a drug dealer, and so I got my drugs for free. But they really weren't free. They led me into slavery, into bondage. Thank God He loved me so much, and you, that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to set us captives free. He came to me in one night and changed my whole life, took away the bondage, the slavery to the drugs, forgave all of my sin and all of the bad behavior that I had been involved in and gave me a brand new life. And he's helped me and walked with me ever since. He's helped me become a successful father, a successful husband, and a successful businessman. And the greatest thing about my story is it's just not about me. He'll do the same thing for you. All you've got to do is call on his name and put your faith and hope in him. Amen. Hi, my name is Minister Mark. Welcome back. And as Paul Harvey used to say, and now for the rest of the story. I was raised in a Christian home, and I gave my life to the Lord when I was 11, said the sinner's prayer, and I was baptized. I was really excited to be saved, and so I got a bunch of Jesus Save stickers and put them on my notebooks and my locker at school. That caused a lot of problems. Immediately, the bullies started picking on me. They defaced my locker. They'd come by and knock my books out of my hands and stomp on them on the ground. So pretty soon, I took all those stickers off and became a closet Christian. By the time I was 13, I started into junior high school. I was thinking about trying to find some Christian friends. And I saw an advertisement on the bulletin board for a Christian group that met once a week before school. So I started attending that. Oh, one day I was coming to school, and I cut through the smoking area. That'll tell you how old I am. When I was in high school, kids were allowed to smoke, at least the juniors and seniors. So we had a teacher's smoking lounge, and then there was a student smoking lounge. It was outside and right in the middle of the school, so I often cut through there to get to my class. Well, there was the leader of the high school Bible study. He was smoking a brass pipe. So I stopped and said hi and asked him what was going on. He said he was smoking marijuana. And he took me to the scripture in Genesis that said how God made every green herb and called him good and gave him to mankind for food. And so I thought, okay, if 
God made marijuana and said it was good for me, then I'll try it. Well, I tried it too, and I liked it. I thought it was good. Little did I know that that was the beginning of 19 years of drug addiction that ruined my life. I started selling drugs, uh, marijuana first, and after that, all kinds of drugs. By the time I was a junior in school, I had three schools that I was sold marijuana to. I was the biggest marijuana dealer in the whole neighborhood. I dropped out of school and started selling drugs as my livelihood. Shortly after that, I started using cocaine and methamphetamines, just snorting it at first. Then I started smoking it and eventually shooting up. Became a junkie. I did that for a long time, almost 19 years. My addiction was a secret addiction, though nobody knew it except for my close family and some of my friends and, of course, my customers. But I was able to keep a job and had a career during all those years. I eventually became a sales rep for a Fortune 500 company, one of the top sales reps in the United States. I would sell and work for two or three weeks, and then I would binge on cocaine and methamphetamine for three or four days. Got to the point that I was ashamed and I hated myself. I wanted to quit the drugs, but I just couldn't stop. I would stop, take a break for a month, two months, maybe even six months. And then all of a sudden I would start dreaming about that, about the cocaine, about shooting it up, about how it would smell, how it would taste, how it would feel. And then I would go buy some and do it. It got to the point that not only did I hate myself, but I think my wife started to hate me too. She was able to quit earlier than I. But we had had a big argument. It was around Christmas. And I had thrown her out of the cabin out into the snow. And she later told me that she was laying there in the snowbank crying, and she was thinking about shooting me. But she decided she didn't want to do that because she didn't want to clean up the mess. So instead she prayed and gave her life to the Lord. She prayed for me and said, Lord, just change him. Do something to help us. Like I say, that was in December in the snow. Well, she came back in finally, and we worked things out. And she stopped using the drugs, but I just kept going. I couldn't stop. And it was funny. The first indication that I had that anything was odd was my schedule. I was a territory manager and had a large territory up in uh, northeast Washington, northern Idaho, and Montana. And so I would drive or fly into Montana and work for a couple weeks and then come home. That was when I would do my drugs and binge, and then I'd go back to work. This time I flew into Montana, uh, got my rental car, and went to the hotel room. And I got situated in my room. It was in the evening. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. That was the first time he'd ever said anything to me. And he said, you need to kneel down and pray. Well, you know, by then I was tired of God and didn't want anything to do with Christianity. I'd already had my experience with that when I was 11. And so I told him no. I said, I'm not interested with that, and I sure as heck ain't bowing down and praying. 
He said, fine. He said, until you do, you're not going to sleep. And I told him, fine, that's fine with me, because I'd been staying up for weeks and months on methamphetamine and cocaine, so that didn't bother me a bit. Needless to say, it was a couple weeks later I'd got done with my sales routine, and I was always busy, always late, habitually five or ten minutes late to every appointment, because I filled my day so full. You know, when you're out of town, there's nothing to do, so... I decided when I was out of town, I would work. And I did work. But the time came, Friday afternoon, to fly out. And all of a sudden, I was early. Normally, I got to the airport, and I'd turn in my rental car, race to the gate, board the plane, and leave. But I was there like two or three hours early. I thought, this is odd. And so I went back into town and had lunch, bought a sandwich. Still way too much time, so I drove back out to the airport, turned in my rental car, and waited. And I started to think about things. Well, I flew home. That was into Spokane. And my friend picked me up. We were going to go to a concert that night. A concert in Spokane. His name was Rick. Uh... He picked me up at the airport, and him and I rode over to the venue. My wife was there, and his girlfriend, her name was Juliana. And so, the first thing that happened, the next thing, actually, that was odd, we went inside, and Rick was a Vietnam veteran. So, he was really paranoid, always wanted to sit down in a place with his back up against the wall, so he could view the whole surroundings. But the women at the venue had picked a table that was out in the middle, above the mosh pit. So we went in and sat down, and he was immediately uncomfortable. The other thing that he did, being a ex-Green Beret, was he would always walk around the place wherever he went. And so he walked around and checked the whole place out. He would even walk right into their kitchen and find the back door and all of that just so he would have an escape route planned in case something happened, being paranoid in his mind. Anyway, there didn't appear to be any other way out, just the main entry doors. So we were sitting there, and it got really hot, as the place being closed up like that. And all of a sudden, this cool, refreshing breeze blew in. And it came around, kind of circled our table, and went on out. That's when Rick commented how strange that was, because it was like, you know, when you open your front and back door and wind blows through your home. Just like that, but there was no way for that to happen. I know now that was, wind was the spirit of the Lord. He had came in to check on me, since I was in direct rebellion to his word about kneeling down and praying. I still hadn't slept. So we watched the concert and got finished with that, and we were on our way home. Well, we lived north of the city of Newport in Washington State, up off of the Ponderay River. We had to drive next to the river. We called it the River Road, about 12 or 14 miles before our turn. Rick and I were in the front seat, and... My wife and Juliana were in the back. We were in a Volkswagen bus, a Volkswagen van, a micro bus, we used to call it. 
you know, the flower power machine. Anyway, as we came across the bridge over the Ponderay River, Rick started to tell me a story about his week, what had happened since I was out of town. And that was that he had to put his dog down. He had a German Shepherd and it had bad hips. Couldn't hardly walk or go to the bathroom anymore. It had gotten so bad that he, he took its life. It was a mercy killing. And he told me how he had sat down with the dog, brought it up on the couch, put its head in his lap, and then he took his forty-five service colt and shot it right through the head. You know, when he said that, I just started to weep. That was as we turned the corner and started up the Ponderay River Road. All of a sudden, the hand of God just crushed me to the floor. I knew it was him. You know, there's not much room in front of a front seat of a Volkswagen microbus, but it was just like a giant hand pressed me right to my knees. And all of a sudden, this fire filled my body. I mean, I thought I was going to turn into a human torch. I didn't know it then, but I know now that was the fire of God. For God is a consuming fire. And man, I was just burning. I started to strip off my suit coat and my tie. And we were going up the river, and that's when God spoke to my wife for the first time. She told me later, because I wanted to get out and jump in the river. But he told her, don't let him out of the the van or he'll drown in the river. He said, wait, you can let him out at Duncan Springs. Now up the Ponderay River Road, about 10 miles uh, springs, comes right out the side of the road. The gentleman there that owns the property piped uh, his artesian well water right over to the side of the road. It was where we got all our drinking water. It was always perfectly clear, sweet, and ice cold. So we got to Duncan Springs, and they finally let me out. You can just imagine me sitting there in my business clothes. My tie was gone, of course, but my nice slacks and shoes and uh, sitting under there in the mud and the water and the gravel with this ice-cold water pouring over my head. Finally, I cooled down. But you know, I know now that that fire of God is what burned the chains of that bondage away from me and cleaned me up. I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now. So we got back in the van. We were getting ready to go, and all of a sudden, this huge bright light came out of the sky. And it was just like God had peeked out of the curtains of the night and let his light shine right into that van. It was so bright that I could actually see inside of myself. You know how if you take a flashlight and hold it up against your fingers, you can kind of see through your skin? That's the way that it was. I could look down at myself and see my bones. The other thing that I saw in there was the blackness of my sin and my heart. And God revealed to me in that short period of time all the sin and all the bad things that I had done and showed me that I needed to repent. The light was so bright we couldn't move. Finally, the light quit, and we started to go away, but the van wouldn't move, and I knew I had to confess my sin. So I started to apologize to my wife first, 
and to tell her how sore I was that I had used her as a, a drug courier, uh, a sex toy. I'd just taken advantage of her, of her in every way. Whenever we wanted drugs, I would make her buy them. And if I went along, I'd just make her carry them. We always carried a gun, and I made her carry it, too. That way, if something happened, and we got in trouble, stopped by the cops, she would be the one that went to jail, not me. How's that for loving your wife? Anyway, I started to apologize to her. And as I apologized and confessed my sin openly in front of her and Rick and Juliana, his girlfriend, the van would go. And so it would go, and then it would stop. And I would say something else, confess another sin, and we would go, and then it would stop. You know, the next amazing thing that happened, I always joked my wife about animals, because she loves animals, dogs and cats, every kind of animal. She had always said that animals went to heaven. I told her, you know, that's a bunch of bull. Animals don't go to heaven. And so, all of a sudden, the whole van filled up with every animal that we'd ever had, even the animals that I had as a kid. I remember my cat, Susie, was there. She'd gotten run over when I was about eight or nine. I watched the neighbor run her over. That was my first experience with the death of my animal. But Susie, my cat, was right there with us. And whoop, all of a sudden, all the animals were gone. And the Lord showed me that I had to repent, and I apologized to my wife and confessed my sin of talking to her about things that I didn't know about, about the things of God and about heaven. And as soon as I did, the van would move. So my sin was deep and long and wide. It took a while for us to make it up to our home, our cabin in the woods. I got there. You can imagine me soaking wet, covered with dirt, mud, rocks, in my socks and shoes from sitting under the spring, and went on inside. Well, Rick asked my wife if he thought everything was going to be okay, and she said yes. She thought things were going to be much better now. And so we went in, and they left. Well, I stripped down to dry off, and that's when the next thing happened. All of a sudden, I became a marionette puppet. It was just like God had attached my whole body to strings. And he marched me right over to my kitchen table and sat me down. And there I went through the motions of my sin. I mixed up a spoon of cocaine, added the water, sucked it up in the syringe, and pretended to stick it in my arm. The next thing I did was mix up a batch of Freebase, poured the water in my bottle and the Coke, the other ingredients, and made a rock, and I put it in my pipe and lit it up and smoked it. You know, I didn't know what was going on then, but that was the motions of sin that work in our members. You know, every sin that you do that you become addicted to has its own motion, whether that's shooting up, smoking crack, watching pornography, whatever it might be. But God cleaned me out. He had to get the motions of sin out of my members also. So when I was done with that, the next thing is he jerked me right up to my feet and marched me right over the door of my cabin. 
and I had the uncontrollable urge to urinate all over the place. I couldn't stop myself. When I was done and looking at that puddle of pee, he spoke to me again and said, Son, this is your life. You've taken all the gifts and all the good things that I've given you and turned them into a sewer. I was so ashamed and so crushed by that because he was right. He'd been good to me, gave me a good wife, a good life, good skills and talents, and I had used them for my own selfish purposes. Well, we got that cleaned up and finally got dressed. I was tired by then. You know, I'd been up for a couple weeks at least. So I decided to go to bed. Well, I got my pajamas on and laid down in the bed. And that's when the next thing happened. All of a sudden, I was in the ground in the grave. And I could feel the dirt around me and worms start to eat into my body. God spoke to me again. He said, now you've got a choice. You can choose to live or you can die right now. Well, I chose to live. And so I got up. He said, you're not going to sleep. You've spent months and weeks and years staying up all night long doing your meth and your cocaine, and now you're going to stay up and spend the night with me. So I jumped out of that bed like a shot, got out my Bible, and I said, honey, make me a pot of coffee. I'm going to be staying up tonight. And so I did, and I started to read my Bible. You know, by morning, I was fine. That was Saturday morning. Rick came by a little bit later, wanted to check on me. By then, of course, I was fine. I felt brand new, like a new person. And so he came in, and I told him I was feeling much better. He said he knew an old Indian preacher that lived in the woods if I wanted to go to church on Sunday. I told him, yeah, I do. And so I went. That was the best thing I ever did. After that, I started reading my Bible. It took me about a month. I read the whole Gospel of Mark, being my nickname. And I came to the end where it says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And I knew that I had to be baptized. Again, this time with the understanding and repentance from my sin. And so I was. And I can tell you, when I came up out of the water, I could feel God stern inside of me, and I knew that he was with me and in me, and he's been with me and in me ever since. Thank God for that day. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have been made new, and the old things have passed away. I can tell you, my whole life changed after that. I became a completely different person. I shared with you how I was ashamed of my behavior and wanted to kill myself. Now I can look in the mirror and I'm not ashamed. I actually understand and know that I'm a valuable person. God sent his only son, Jesus, to die just for me and my sin. He sent him for you too. So if you're an addict, whether you're addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, food, porno, whatever it may be, God will help you out, because it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, what color you are, or where you came from. 
God will do it for you too.